For thousands of years, rice has been one of the most important agricultural crops in the world. It's fed billions of people, has been crossbred into tens of thousands of variants, and is now grown in every country except Antarctica. The importance of rice has not diminished over time, and in fact, might grow in the future. Learn more about rice, how it was domesticated and spread around the world, on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. When I previously did an episode on the history of bread, the origin of wheat had a pretty defined area that we think it came from. It was somewhere around the Fertile Crescent and maybe Eastern Turkey. Pinning down the origin of rice isn't nearly as simple. The strain of rice in question is known as Oryza sativa, which is more commonly known as Asian rice. The vast majority of the thousands of variants of rice that exist today all came from the wild strain of this species. And just to complicate things, there are two subspecies. Oryza sativa japonica, which is found in China, and Oryza sativa indica, which is found in India. For decades, there were competing theories as to the origin of rice. One theory held that it originated in China, somewhere near the Yangtze River, and the other held that it came from India, somewhere probably in the north. There is archaeological evidence for rice in both India and China, dating back thousands of years. The oldest evidence for India goes back about 4,500 years ago. However, four grains of rice were found in the Yuchanyan Cave in the Hunan province of China, which dates back 12,000 to 16,000 years ago. This debate was settled once and for all using a technique known as gene dating. 
A 2011 paper found that all of the Ariza sativa rice that we know of came from a single domestication event that occurred between 13,500 and 8,200 years ago in China. This date fits the archaeological evidence quite well, and the Chinese origin theory is now generally accepted as the consensus position. From this starting point, probably somewhere along the Yangtze River, rice spread over the next several thousand years, and this too has been very controversial. There have been at least 11 different proposed routes that rice might have taken to get to Southeast Asia, Oceania, and Africa. Around 4,000 years ago, the Japonica strain made it to the Indus Valley in India, and there something happened that probably caused the original confusion about the origin of rice. It was then that the Japonica strain was probably crossbred with a wild strain of rice to create the Indica strain. The Indica strain has longer grains. If you've ever been to an Indian restaurant, you probably had either basmati or jasmine rice, both of which come from the Indica strain. The shorter-grained rice, which is more popular in East Asia, comes from the Japonica strain. Japonica tends to be white and sticky, whereas Indica is more fluffy. Rice, not surprisingly, is a wetlands plant. It thrives best in places like marshes and riparian zones alongside rivers and lakes. When rice was first cultivated, it was actually cultivated on dry land. Another big innovation was to grow rice in a way that was closer to its native habitat, rice paddies. The first evidence of this dates back about 6,000 years ago in China. Growing rice in a paddy is much more labor-intensive than growing it on dry land. You have to build the walls of a paddy, create a water control system to flood and drain it, and of course you have to work in water. However, the extra work was worth it because rice paddies were much more productive. The process of building rice paddies was something that took centuries in some places. Terraced rice paddies allowed for agriculture to take place on the sides of hills and mountains where otherwise you couldn't grow anything. Probably the best example of this has to be the rice terraces around Banaue in the Philippines. They have been created over the course of 2,000 years, and they literally line the mountainsides of this region. It's been called the eighth wonder of the world, and if you ever find yourself in the Philippines, I highly recommend you visit, as it might be the greatest attraction in the country. Rice terracing technology was exported and used in places such as Bali and northern Vietnam, which also have extensive terraces. Rice made its way to Indonesia about 5,000 years ago and came to the Korean Peninsula in Japan between 5,500 years ago and 3,200 years ago. There are no native wild rice species in either Korea or Japan. Rice did not spread throughout all of China. Northern China was never a big rice production area, and they developed a wheat culture. Noodles, dumplings, and buns are all products of Chinese wheat regions in the north. While Asia was, and still is, the major rice-producing region in the world, rice kept migrating west. Once rice made it to Central Asia, it was cultivated, but it never became quite the staple food that it was in East Asia and eastern and northern India. Ancient cultures in Mesopotamia and around the Mediterranean were aware of rice. The Egyptians grew rice, but it always took a backseat to wheat. Likewise, there is evidence of rice being grown in Greece and Macedonia after Alexander the Great's troops brought it back with them after their conquests in Asia. As I'm working my way west, I should mention the other place on Earth where rice was independently domesticated, West Africa. The species of African rice is known as Oryza gabarima, and it's a separate species from the Asian Oryza sativa. The African species was domesticated about 3,000 to 3,500 years ago, and it grew in a belt stretching along the coast of the Gulf of Guinea into Central Africa. Some people have theorized that as the Sahara Desert began to grow and it ceased being green, rice was domesticated as wild rice became unavailable. 
The problem with African rice is that it wasn't as productive as Asian rice. When Asian rice finally made its way to Africa, it mostly replaced the cultivation of the local domesticated rice. Again, while rice was known in Europe, it wasn't a major crop until it was brought over in the 8th century by the Moors. The Moors brought rice with them when they invaded the Iberian Peninsula, and they found that it grew well in places like Majorca and Valencia. Now, if you remember back to my episode on the world's oldest democratic body, the Valencia Water Board, that board was established to allocate water for the growing of rice. Today, rice is still grown around Valencia, and Spain's signature dish, paella, is based on rice. The Moors also brought rice to the island of Sicily. From there, rice eventually spread to Italy and France. The Po River Valley in Italy became one of the biggest rice-growing regions in Europe. Even though Europe was the last place in the world to cultivate rice, it was the Europeans who brought rice to the Americas. Here I need to make note of the food which many people in North America call wild rice, Canadian rice, or Indian rice. This is actually not a true rice. It sort of looks like rice, and you can serve it in some ways like rice, but it's actually an aquatic grass. As with Europe, rice never became a staple crop in the Americas, but it did find a niche in some reasons. Today, the only non-Asian country which is in the top 10 in global rice production is Brazil. Likewise, there's production in Mexico and the United States. The state with the largest amount of rice production is Arkansas, followed by California and Louisiana. The British also brought rice to Australia. While not the best place to grow rice, even in northern Australia, which is quite wet, they export the vast majority of what is produced because domestic consumption is so low. Today, rice is the third largest crop in the world by weight, behind sugarcane and corn. However, it provides more calories than any other foodstuff, with 20% of all global calories consumed coming from rice. The largest rice-producing countries by a wide margin are China and India which produced 212 and 178 million metric tons, respectively, in 2020. They are followed by Indonesia, Bangladesh, Vietnam, and Thailand. The country with the highest per capita production is Cambodia. 92% of all rice produced globally is for domestic consumption. The United States is actually the third largest exporter of rice, even though it doesn't rank in the top 10 for production, simply because Americans don't consume as much of it. Given the importance of rice globally for food, it has received a lot of attention during the Green Revolution. In a previous episode, I talked about Nobel Peace Prize winner Norman Borlaug and what he did for developing new strains of wheat to help combat hunger. Similar efforts were made to develop new and improved strains of rice. In addition to improved yields, some strains were developed with added nutrients. Golden rice is a strain that was developed with genetic engineering that has dramatically increased levels of beta-carotene. Beta-carotene is a provitamin that the human body can synthesize into vitamin A. It's been rather controversial, but golden rice has 23 times the beta-carotene as normal rice. The first country to approve it was the Philippines in 2021. Vitamin A deficiency is a very serious problem in the developing world, especially among children. And if it's severe enough, it can actually cause blindness. There are currently over 40,000 variants of rice that exist today all of which came from the two wild strains in Africa and Asia. As important as rice is today, it's going to become even more important in the future. The world's population is expected to keep growing for at least the next few decades, mostly in regions that are large consumers of rice. Rice demand is expected to continue to increase at least until the year 2050. One of the newest ideas which is being developed is perennial rice, which wouldn't have to be planted every year. 
If this could be successfully developed, it would dramatically reduce the amount of time and energy put into growing rice, and it would also dramatically reduce soil erosion. Rice is one of the most important crops grown in the world today. This has remained unchanged for about 5,000 years, and it might very well be the case for the next 5,000. Everything Everywhere Daily is an Airwave Media Podcast. The executive producer is Darcy Adams. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. I have a few boostograms to share with you today. Marcus Y. sent 212 sats for the episode on the vice presidency, and Dave Jones sent 2112 sats for the same episode with the message, Killer Episode, Gary. Petar sent 1,234 sats for the Friday the 13th episode, and another 1,234 sats for the episode on asteroids. Remember, if you leave a review or send me a boostogram, you too can have it read on the show.